Welcome back, one and all, to a big show, a big election day show on the damage report where I'm knocking over garbage cans. But I'm John Adarola, and I am very excited to welcome to our show a guest who, and I will say this as background, I often worry that when I introduce people, I will miss one of their well deserved and hard earned accolades. And rarely have I had as much fear about missing one of the many accolades of Daniel Francesi, comedian, writer, podcaster, actor. What am I missing? I'm missing stuff, and I know it. But you you cover a lot of ground, sir, and we're very welcome. We're very Italian happy to have you back. Meatballs. Italian who loves meatballs, the most I, important. Ah, one. I knew I missed one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, very excited to have you back. Thank you for being here. Thanks. It's great uh, to be here. I I've heard you've been all over the place. Um, you know, you're very busy on a lot of different projects, obviously. But well, sometimes also, I'm like, am I a stand-up comedian or am I like a rental car tester outer? I don't understand. I'm on stage <laughs> for like an hour and then I'm just driving rental cars all over the country. I don't. Mm-hmm. Multi-talented. I think. Look, there should be an egot that incorporates that. I think <sighs> uh, the T could be a traveler. But anyway, thank you for being here. As I said in the intro, this is a big day. I mean, we have the the New Hampshire primary is coming up later today. We have some news. Related to that, and early heads up to those of you watching that I will be participating in our live coverage and response to the primaries as it happens later on today. So definitely tune into that. That will be tonight, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and it won't just be me. Anna Kasparian, Francesca Fiorentini, Jordan Yule, Wazdi Lambre, Rayvon, and Michael Shore will all be there, and we're gonna see. If Nikki Haley can pull it out and extend this thing. And we're also gonna see if Biden can win because he's been the target of deep fakes trying to mess with the election. So there's a lot going on, you're gonna wanna follow it. With all that said, Daniel, are you ready to jump into some discussion about the election? Let's do this. Okay, let's do it. Okay, we're gonna zoom into New Hampshire in a bit, but we wanna start broad with what could be one of the defining issue areas of the election. And you could see a Biden ad focusing on it in this. At a routine ultrasound, I learned that the fetus would have a fatal condition and that there was absolutely no chance of survival. In Texas, you are forced to carry that pregnancy. And that is because of Donald Trump overturning Roe v. Wade. The choice was completely taken away. I was to continue my pregnancy, putting my life at risk. It's every woman's worst nightmare and it was absolutely unbearable. We need leaders that will protect our rights and not take them away. And that's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So that is obviously a devastating experience being relayed um, and talking about the very real uh, stakes of this issue of when reproductive rights are stripped away, when the process is made uh, difficult and uh, added layers of bureaucracy and threats of lawsuits are added in there, threats of people losing their uh, medical licenses, ability to practice, what it produces at the end is devastating experiences like you just saw right there. And obviously that woman is relaying her experience to be used in an ad by Joe Biden, who I think understandably wants abortion to be one of the things that people are thinking about when they think about who to support in the 2024 presidential election. We have more on this, including Republicans acknowledging that this is going to be a big issue and possibly a big winner for the Democrats. But Daniel, I wanted to bring you in, abortion's sort of been 
on in the background or or the foreground of a lot of the elections of the last few years since Roe v. Wade was destroyed. What do you think about Biden and his camp's effort to sort of center it in this general election? I think it's important that people still realize it's an issue. It almost creeps me out that we roll back historical achievements. They want us to get closer and closer to a police state where it's like we're monitoring every single thing that everybody does, including women's reproductive rights. I just feel like we need to be reminded that this is at stake because it is something that I believe our country we've already moved past. We're already we're already we understand the value of this kind of care, and I I think even a lot of Republicans are in agreement that this is something that is needed, and it's a it's just a sad state to see it. People attempt to constantly try to pull back rights. Yeah, yeah, and look, in this ad and some of the others that I've seen that that Biden is putting out, and you know Harris is going around talking about the experience people have. It's about like your raw ability to have an abortion, but we also have to bear in mind that that's sort of the most out in front part of a campaign that is not restricted just to restricting abortion. We we see at the state level, and we hear you know whispers and rumbling at the federal level. They want to come for other stuff too. Like the the idea that this is the only you know half century old right that they want to roll back that that isn't even the extent of it. Birth control maybe might not be legal in some states. IVF and you know surrogacy and, and those sorts of things. These are all conversations that are being had. The 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 fact that they were able to after 50 years of not persuading the American people of their position, but still they were able to get the Supreme Court on their side and they killed the the, the guarantee of the right to abortion. That doesn't placate some of these extremists, some of them elected, some of them voters, and they want more. They remain hungry to strip more rights away, and 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 I agree with you. It's important that people don't forget about it and don't sort of just. Just get used to it, the way so much is normalized in our politics. And so I am worried about that as it seems like you are as well. I do feel like it's used as like sort of a veil of conservatism or a veil of religious right or a veil of all these other things when in fact, it's just to disguise the other things that they really wanna get their hands on. Once one issue's out of the way, they can knock another one. you know, And consistently trying to make things more conservative only because they know it placates some some of those voters that are zealous and out there you know want it, wanting to be puritanical prince and princesses out there yeah yeah and by the way it like i understand that you win on this issue you're obviously not going to be like oh well that's it for politics i'm not just not interested anymore i get that but this isn't the only follow up that they could have done they could have been like oh, okay finally We've been able to stop millions of people from having abortions. Now we're gonna work on getting maternal mortality down to as low as possible. We wanna lead the world in protecting those who are giving birth and make sure that they are healthy. We wanna make sure that we set the kids on the path to you know, health and well-being and education and opportunity. But that does not appear to be the direction that right, they're going. Right, there's no comprehensive like, sexual education for minors. There's, you know, they want to roll, they want to roll back and stall that. There's no reproductive limits on men. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's just attacking women and using them as just plain breeders. And it, it, when you look at it in the larger picture, it's extremely controlling. And I, I still don't know how people don't see it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, look, as you acknowledged, even many Republicans are not in favor of stripping these rights away. So, look, I am I am shocked too that you have so many people, a minority, but so many people being okay with these rights being stripped away. But we do have to at least remember that we represent the majority on that. 
Um, but in any event, uh, you, you don't need to listen to me. There are many Republicans getting out there. Uh, uh, Kellyanne Conway has been telling Republicans like, hey, maybe this isn't the thing we should be focusing on right now. Um, and now we can add uh, those on Fox News uh, as well. So let's move to Steve Ducey and take a look at this. While the Republicans are, are trying to figure out who uh, the nominee is going to be here in New Hampshire and elsewhere, you know what uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to do this week? They've got a number of events talking about reproductive rights. Because even though we're talking about stuff like <laughs> right now, ultimately what the Democrats are going to run on closer to November is Dobbs. And how former President Trump uh, was able to get three justices on the Supreme Court. It is such an effective tool. Every time the Democrats have run on that, they have won. Reproductive rights, as you know, Steve, is a spin. Freedom, it's pro-abortion. Well, first of all, it is not literally just re restricted to the idea of abortion. There's a reason you use a term that talks about all of the issues. And what exactly is the spin there? It's about reproduction. It's about your rights. I understand that people use the terms they want for all sorts of things. But as terms go, I feel like it's pretty accurate, pretty descriptive. But he's angry about it. And he's not angry about the term. He's angry about the fact that what Steve Ducey said there seems to be true in election after election, even in red states, when it's you know politicians who are supporting or are rejecting these rights, when it's ballot initiatives, it does seem to be a big winner. And that clearly bothers Brian Kilmeade. And even though Steve Ducey there is just trying to advise the Republicans and what he sees as what they need to do or not do to win, can we just get mad about it? Like, no, we should be we should be insulting them and we should be telling them that they're pro-abortion. Like, yes, well, Republican Party, who do you want to follow? They're both conservatives, by the way. But Steve Ducey, who seems to want you to win, or Brian Kilmeade, who wants you to feel good about it when you're losing. Okay, you guys decide. Daniel, what do you think? I mean, I, I Literally agree with what you're saying. It's just a really frustrating thing for me to watch. I'm almost at a loss of words at sometimes because it feels like they, they, we are not asking as a people for abortion without limitation, but they're asking for anti-abortion with no exceptions. And I think mm -hmm. that is the problem here. You, we need to realize that there's a lot of nuance when it comes to a lot of this stuff, and you know they just want to be like, no, you're just. Pro-abortion, that's it. It's it, it, that may not be the stance. There's a lot of issues like that woman's example, you know, horrifying. Um, that people yeah. could be caught in due to stuff like this, and to have to leave your state for any kind of emergency health care. I mean, it just doesn't even seem like that. Doesn't that seems un-American? Yeah, yeah. Uh, inhuman too. Hey, Kilmeade, go to that woman and tell her that she's pro-abortion. That she just wanted one. That's it. It wasn't a devastating experience for her. It wasn't a risk to her health. It didn't, you know, it didn't deeply upset her. This woman who already had multiple kids and wants to have more, she's just pro-abortion. And look, he's not going to go as far and be as insulting and misogynistic as perhaps some of the other right wingers are. But it's the same tone. The idea that you guys are just lazy sluts and you just want to do whatever you want to do. You monster. I used to go People to a church that. 
used to have abortion protests. And the way they would frame it is, oh, there's like these wealthy women who realize they're having another boy and they wanted a girl. So they're gonna have an abortion. Like it, it was so nonchalant the way they would frame that people were having abortions that I could yeah. see people getting angry and rallying behind this. But clearly that's not the case when you know people are telling their stories. And I'm glad that you know some people get their stories out there so people could know what's really going on. Yeah, and by the way, as we always acknowledge, if if your worry is about the wealthy people just opting in this, wealthy people are always going to be able to get an abortion. Okay, they're not. Oh God, I like I know that I could just like fly somewhere else, but like it's just so much trouble to drive to the airport. If you're wealthy, if you have the resources, you're gonna get to a place where you can get the abortion that you apparently are so hot to have or whatever. It's just all made up. It's all faux concern. It's just another way to control what people do with their bodies, um, and. There's another form of control that Kilmeade is in favor of here. He's specifically advising Republicans to be dishonest about what they actually believe, saying, don't get into the weeks talks. Don't talk about how many weeks, six or 12. And why bring why? that up? Well, you know why? Because <laughs> it looks really bad for them when they do it. He's not saying don't set, don't go for six, don't go for 12. He's just saying, don't talk about it like because it looks really bad for us. So if you could lie to people and then once you get in office, strip away their rights after you lied them into voting for you, that is what Kilmeade is pushing for here. Kilmeade every once in a while says a reasonable thing or says a compassionate thing. But then the rest of the time he reminds you that God damn, is this guy not on your side? And by the way, speaking of sides, 80% of voters, including 65% of Republicans say that they oppose a national abortion ban. I mean, look, I understand we're in partisan tribal extremist times, everybody's divided, but that is overwhelming. The country is screaming, no, we do not want this. And yet you have people pushing for it still. So I could see this being a big part of the 2024 election. Right now, Democrats are trying to get it on the ballot in a number of swing states it to be a thing that people can be brought to the polls to vote on, which look, honestly, the Republican Party used like votes on gay marriage and stuff for the last like 20 years to drive their voters to the polls. So as much as I don't necessarily want politics to be overly focused on cultural issues, if it's getting people to the polls in support of people's rights and bodily autonomy, I think that it's fair play. Any final points? No, I'm glad it is going to be reviewed on the ballot in some places because it needs to be. People need to just, you know, re confirm that, you know, it needs to be legal. Agreed. Agreed. Well, as we said in our intro, today is an election day. We have the um, the New Hampshire primaries, and a lot of the attention, I think, is understandably on the Republican side because you have Trump and you have Nikki Haley. Who want to know who's going to win? Um, but there is a Democratic primary going on, and it's sort of a weird one because Biden is not technically on the ballot, but there's a write-in campaign for him to win. There's a little bit of sort of ambiguity and uncertainty out there, and that is. Fertile ground for misinformation, including AI generated misinformation. Take a look at this. What a bunch of malarkey. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. 
Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2 now. Yeah, I, I buy that. I buy that. It's pretty common for the president to call people up and tell them not to go vote. That happens all the time. Well, uh, no, of was a, a special sardonic twist adding that in there, I think, at the top. Mm -hmm. um. This is malarkey with a capital AI. Uh, that's not Biden, obviously. He is not, in fact, calling up people in New Hampshire to tell them to save their vote. Like it's gonna get stale or something. No, obviously, whether you're a Democrat, an independent, or a Republican, go vote for whoever you want in New Hampshire. But that was produced by someone to try to influence the primary in New Hampshire. I'm not sure exactly what their goal is, but a spokesperson for Biden's campaign, which is again a write in campaign in New Hampshire, said that the calls were, quote, deep fake disinformation designed to harm Joe Biden suppress votes and damage our democracy. And it's being looked into by the state attorney general of New Hampshire. So what are your thoughts, Daniel? When back in the day when I was I was canvassing in Nevada for Obama, I remember there were people who we were speaking to a couple of days before the election just saying, hey, if you need a ride or you know, have you made a decision yet? And there were people who were saying that people had met them outside of different kinds of government facilities like welfare offices and things like that and told them, "Oh, if you sign this paper, you're already voting for Obama. So just by signing here, you're done. You don't have to vote now." Like the 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 trickery and I mean, that's the thing I think that surprised me getting any involved in and any involvement or interest in politics too is like the actual mudslinging deceit that's involved in all of this. Mm -hmm. With AI only growing, it's only something that we have to be much more astute and aware about because this is just going to be a problem that I think is going to grow as technology grows. Yeah, right now, I guess the best they can do is spoofing his voice for a robocall. But they're gonna have videos, you know, eventually of Joe Biden or whoever the candidate is, like directly telling people not to vote. It's going to look, particularly to, you know, people who might not be as tapped into technology, it's gonna look real, it's gonna sound real. And they're gonna believe it. And it is gonna be so easy to flood the internet with this deep fake stuff. So that's everybody needs to be on guard. And look, I understand there have been accusations of things being deep fakes recently that I don't buy. Roger Stone, with all of his violent like threats against people, says that those are all deep fakes when you know people who are with him aren't denying that he said it. But that said, that's that's the damaging thing, is it just the 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 ability to produce them, the ability to claim that things that are real are deep fakes, just makes everything seem just like suspect and not trustworthy, and and it drives people out of politics, and it doesn't drive every kind of person equally out of politics. It lowers turnout, which benefits generally Republicans. It benefits the status quo. I like I hate and and also in terms of the asymmetry here, you were talking about when you're doing. You know, you're you're out there doing the the canvassing and everything, and there's people who are you know passing out those trying to get people who are going for welfare or whatever to not have their vote count. And we know that every election there's like uh, like flyers that'll go up that'll be like you know due to unprecedented turnout, Republicans are voting this Tuesday and Democrats are voting next Tuesday. It's like a cliche at this point. I would never think of doing something like that, and I imagine you would never think of trying to win. By stopping the other side from being able to vote. And yet, that is the context that our democracy has to exist in, where some people don't give a damn about democracy or values like that. They just want to win and they're 
fully willing to use whatever tools, technological or otherwise, that they can to manipulate the result. Any other I thoughts? was a little disappointed because somebody sent me a Christmas card with Biden and Harris with their heads uh, A and I'd onto elf outfits, and they were dancing. And I really thought they sent me a dancing <laughs> greeting, and I'm a little disappointed now because I'm fearful. Yeah. About Jib jab was the original deep fake. <laughs> the I OG, think. the jib jab. <laughs> <laughs> Is it crazy? Like back, like do you remember the the classic John Kerry, George W. Bush jib jab that went around? Absolutely, and not only that, but I'm also worried about like a lot of these other kind of apps that like these cap cut kind of things that if I use them, it's going to look like some kind of glitter butterfly MySpace page. And mm -hmm. five minutes, be really dated. I got to be careful with. A hundred percent. By the way, obviously it's it's so early that it's not like we have much, you know, much updates about what's going on in New Hampshire. But what we can say is that in the big, the, the like maybe the main event, Donald Trump versus Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley won all six primary votes in Dixville Notch, New Hampshire, which means I don't think anything. I don't think anything. Nikki Haley's big in Dixville. That's what that means. That's that's what it means, I guess. I don't know if that's supposed to be like the main political prognosticator or whatever. But she's trying to get her votes out there. Donald Trump is trying to get his votes out there, you know, traveling to New Hampshire to insult E. Jean Carroll or something. I don't know what he's doing. But um, but anyway, the voting is going on. And as I said, we will be providing commentary uh, later on today. The only other thing I wanted to say about this, and I want your thoughts on it is, I feel like a, there's a little bit of deja vu going on right now. Because I saw this headline in Axios. Trump's surprise fan club, why many Dems want him to win big in New Hampshire. And the idea there that Axios is running with is that people in President Biden's team believe that Trump becoming the presumptive nominee would give Biden a much needed jolt of energy and voters would get fired up and donors would get fired up because then they could oppose Donald Trump. And I'm not saying that that is the worst idea. I do think that once it's clear that he's the nominee, it will fire some people up. But he'll also then be the nominee and might well become the president. I feel like they're kind of playing with fire by wishing for this outcome that could end with the fall of our republic. So I'm a little bit concerned about it. What do you yeah, think? It's a, it's a kind of a big uh, outcome to play with, like you know, the fall of yeah. the republic, uh, mm -hmm. or maybe this this political strategy. I don't know. I, I agree with you. Um, part of me was wondering, like, if he ran as an independent, like, would it open up a whole new lane? You know, um, in a way, like for just to, or but would it be what we ever thought independent would have been, or would it be just like, oh, all the jerks are going to this new lane? <laughs> like I don't, it's 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 interesting. I don't want to play around with any of the scenarios. I just want to um, hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But it just feels like kids won't clean up their rooms. So if I set fire to the house, that will light a spark under their ass or something. Like, <laughs> no, how about? How about we not burn down the country? But anyway, at the end of the day, it's not up to them. And he almost certainly is going to win New Hampshire. So everybody just buckle up because we're going to see how this thing goes. Now, with that said, we are going to take the first break of our show. When we come back, um, we are doing the difficult task here at the Damage Board of trying to keep up with the uh, state of decay of Donald Trump's brain. We're going to catch you up on some of his most recent missteps and slurring of words after this. Okay, everybody. Um, so we we ended that social uh, break on a very sad note, and I'll have more on that in our next social break. Um, but uh, so it's difficult to transition to a sort of jokey block. So I apologize for the the 180 that we're about to pull here. But uh, 
But we are gonna talk a little bit about the man who could be president with what is left of the brain that's in his head. Here's a little mashup that we put together of some of Donald Trump's recent public comments. These are not muscle guys here, they're muscle guys up here, right? And they calmly walk to a seat, ding, 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 ding. They've only got 17 seconds to figure this whole thing out, right? Boom, okay. Missile launch, ping, boom. We have become a drug-infested, crime-ridden nation, which is incapable of solving even the smallest, smallest problem. The simplest of problems we can no longer solve. We can't do anything. We are an institute and a powerful death penalty. We will put this on. We have to bring in the death penalty if we want to stop the infestation of drugs. But it's certainly not uh, great for your climb, your climb, they call it climate. That could help us pay off the debt. You know, we have $35 trillion in debt, reduce taxes further. I gave you the biggest tax We got the biggest tax cut. Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. They don't want to talk about that. Now we see whales washing up on shore because of the wind. Uh, Our veterans don't have cell phones, do they? You have voter ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have, you have ID to buy a loaf of bread. What? What is? I feel the same way, buddy. What? What is? I don't know what almost any of that was about. You know, you know how people talk about the climb. You know that climb, it's getting hot in here. The climb must be changing. That man is literally falling apart. And look, I'm not unfair. I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. I understand that he talks a lot, and you can make mistakes. You can sort of stumble over your words. I do it quite frequently because I'm not on a teleprompter or whatever. That said. There are some ways that it comes in patterns, like when when he can't say a word, okay? And then he jumps to pretending that he was making a joke or something when he wasn't. No, just be honest about the fact that you had difficulty with it. Or when he completely loses the train of thought that he had. And he talks about how we're an institute of death penalty. We need to have the death penalty. That's not what you were talking about. And so look, this does not bother his supporters. They don't see any of that as evident as evidence of mental decline or anything like that. And maybe it's not. Maybe there's a simpler explanation. I'm just saying that if we're going to be talking about our elderly politicians having some trouble with their thinking and their speaking, we gotta be fair and acknowledge that he's having it on an incredibly regular basis. Daniel, what do you make of this? I'm still like a little in awe of his makeup. He's looking a little waxy there. Like it's like kind of like- A little. Yeah, it's kind of getting a little weird, you know, like a little a little burnt from the golf course, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's it's a lot it's a lot of days out there. It is a lot to say something. I know people trip up and people try to reach and grab things, but like he really does say some idiotic stuff that you're just like, what? Where is this coming from? Like, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's awkward to say the least. And, <laughs> but and by know, the way, totally reminds me of my dad's friends. Like yeah. I think it's like. That's the Trump appeal. It's like one of your dad's friends, like kind of thing. Like, <laughs> and do you want one of your dad's friends to be president to have the nuclear football? <laughs> no, I don't even want them at the at the cookout. Like, <laughs> no. Well, um, by the way, like I I try to be fair with these. So when I hear him say a crazy thing, I will try to do a little bit of research and try to figure out what he was talking about. And often it makes it worse. So that quote about like the the whales are washing up on the shore because of the wind. He doesn't mean that the wind is blowing the whales on the shore, that would be bad. What he means is that wind farms 
in the water are killing the whales and caught like there's no evidence of that. And that is worse than him thinking to my, to me at least that they're being blown onto the shore because he either doesn't understand or is lying about alternative energy to make a point about whales. This is the part that maddens me. Either you alternative energy is really what you're attacking, so you either yeah. care about the whales or you don't. You know, it's like either you're, you're either you're doing either you're doing world conservation efforts or you're not. Mm -hmm. it, it, so you just blaming something that is trying to solve a problem for us that's trying to move us forward um yeah is, is, is not gonna do anything and by the way like I I I am just as guilty of it as anyone else that he says a ridiculous thing you can't say climb you can't say tax cuts ha 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 and it is funny and I will continue to make fun of him because I am a child <laughs> um but some of the the mistakes that he made there were not misstatements he said, and has said for years that you need to present ID to buy groceries. He did not misspeak. He didn't substitute Nikki Haley's name for Nancy Pelosi. He thinks that you have to give your ID to buy bread. And I don't, has nobody corrected him for the years that he's been saying that? Or does he refuse to accept when people say, no, Grandpa, you don't actually need to provide voter ID to buy chili? But he Both keeps of those saying points it. that you just said, nobody correcting him and no grandpa. I think that's the whole problem that we're dealing with here. The mm -hmm. half of the people are not correcting him and the other half aren't saying no grandpa. You know, it's like he's not, he's just not getting the memo, you know? Yeah. They're and, just and going, great job when he gets off, you know? And yeah, then going, nailed oh, it. Not as bad next time. Yeah. When he says that, why are people not leaving the rally? But because of what it represents, he has not bought food in decades, long enough that you could forget that you don't need to provide ID. Like they think of him as he's an everyman or whatever. He tells it like it is. First of all, he's not and he can't because he doesn't know how it is because he literally doesn't buy groceries. That should bother people way more than it does. But anyway, we do want to, Oh, can I briefly make fun of Sean Hannity? Because Sean Hannity was responding to the fact that he kept saying Nikki Haley when he meant Nancy Pelosi, which should give you pause, but it's not going to for Sean Hannity. So Sean Hannity says, okay, the guy can talk for you know four hours straight and not miss a beat. But boy, oh, all of a sudden, all the people that ignored his cognitive decline the whole time. Now, all of a sudden, one error, <laughs> one error, Sean Hannity, one error. That was just the mashup we put together from the last couple of days. We do it frequently. It is not one error. Nobody's buddy. ignoring his cognitive decline. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think there he meant ignoring Biden's cognitive decline it, right. to, to yeah. give him credit. But but anyway, um, that said, look, we've been critical of his mind. Um, but I like when people try to improve themselves. And apparently he has been trying to improve himself in a different physical way. And so as part of Fox News's efforts to get back in the good graces of Donald Trump, Brian Kilmeade did an interview with Trump featuring questions like this. I haven't seen you in a while. You look like you're in fighting shape. How much weight did you lose? Maybe 15, maybe 20. How? Uh, the hard way. I work. <laughs> I've been no. I've been so busy. I haven't been. I haven't been able to eat very much. I don't. I'm not able to sit down and eat like a person like you. You can sit down and eat me. It's a little bit tougher because you're always moving. Like okay. Apparently, he has. By the way, actually lost some weight. Other people had previously said that, so it's a fair thing to ask. It's a fawning softball question, and it was probably the hardest question that he actually asked him. So you know, kill me doesn't come out of this looking good. But even in his answer, 
he has to weirdly turn it on kill me like you know like a person like you who sits down and eats and kill me's like yeah you're always on the move like dude he's getting in your face defend yourself why is it, why are you why do you have to bow down in the way that you do and i understand that they want access and they're very worried about being attacked by donald trump daniel but but anyway should we give credit to donald trump he has apparently been slimming up a bit for this campaign nobody loves hollywood more than donald trump he's probably just an ozempic queen like at the end of the day you know I hadn't even thought about that. It is everywhere these days, apparently. Yeah, um, it's entirely possible. Uh, now, more important to me is that what this represented. As I alluded to in my intro, Fox really does seem to be trying to win over Donald Trump. You had like Laura Ingram and others telling Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis to drop out of the race. Um, and so, like, they're having him on all the time, they're doing this interview. But that is not winning them over necessarily. Uh, he still tweeted or bleated, hard to believe how one-sided Fox News is. What a difference from the past. No wonder the Republican base no longer cares about them. It was all about Ron DeSantis and now it's the bird brain show. But the curtains are coming down on that one on Tuesday evening. MAGA, he was on Fox three times the day before he sent that out. And they gave him a town hall to counter program the Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley debate. And they did that interview where they asked him about his waistline rather than about the fact that he's currently on trial for damages after being found guilty of sexually abusing E. Jean Carroll. There's no length that they will go to that will win them credit with him. He still smears them after all of that, Daniel. I don't know. I'm also so confused by this extra town hall thing. It's like, it, it almost seems unconstitutional. Everyone should have to talk it out. Like, I want to see mm -hmm. everybody talk to everybody. He's just like, ah, I'm gonna not gonna do it. Like, you know, it's like, and people go for it. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it seems annoying that this guy is refusing to participate in one of the hallmarks of our democracy. So, yeah, we'll still give him a town hall. You know, as a treat. <laughs> Won't that be nice? Yeah, well, anyway, um, that's a little bit loony. We're gonna end this block by just talking about uh, something uh, arguably even crazier. So whenever we're ready, we can jump into this. Laura Loomer, who could very well be our next press secretary, has uncovered evidence of a plot to rub out Donald Trump. And I'm gonna show you the evidence, and I think you're gonna immediately get what she's saying here. This is a tweet by Alex Soros. Obviously, of the Soros family, saying last year the crime and inflation crises largely evaporated. So did the leading theories about what had caused them. But it's not the text that unveils this conspiracy theory, it's the picture. If we could bring that up, you see a shot of glass that has been shot through, and then a number of bills. And that might just look like money to you. But to an incisive Sherlock Holmesian mind like Laura Loomer, it's far worse than that. You see, if you go to her incredibly long tweet, which serves not only as proof of this plot, but also proof that they should have never allowed tweets to become this long. She <laughs> describes how if you add up the numbers of the bills, it adds up to 45. So you got a 10 and a 20 and a 10 and a 5 and two one or 47 because he would be the 47th president. And on those bills, you can also see a four and a five because he was the 45th president. And this woman who has a large online following and as I said, could be the next press secretary believes that that being in the thumbnail of an Atlantic article that a relative of George Soros posted on Twitter proves that the deep state is going to kill Donald Trump. Makes perfect sense to me, Daniel, what do you think? 
this is just meth math. Like to <laughs> me, like this is crazy. You know, it's like cameras in the trees kind of math. Like, <laughs> like what is going? What in the tinfoil hat is going on in this situation? I do like. I want to know who has the free time that they just read every tweet, not only for the content of the tweet, oh. but looking for numerology. Like just, it just looking feels like for they're something. dumbing us down. I just feel so dumb talking about this. Like, I are know, you serious? And I, see, I, who are these people? Laura Luma sounds like a fake name. It like does. People are just, they're just like these weird people that are like believe these weird things. I don't understand. She was a congressional candidate. She has a massive following. Uh, Donald Trump seems to like her. She's deeply unwell and apparently is not getting any help with it, which is unfortunate. But um, uh, I do want to reassure all of you uh, who are against the idea of political violence that this is not proof of a plot to murder Donald Trump. That's just not how it works. That shot of the money has been used in many different articles since 2018. You could have easily found that out, Laura Loomer, if you did a reverse Google search on it. But of course, you didn't do that because you simultaneously care so much about this that you're willing to write like a 3,000 word tweet about how this is proof of how George Soros is gonna kill Trump. But you don't care enough to actually right click on a JPEG and Google search for it. And by the way, like, when you find what you think is evidence of a plot to kill Donald Trump, I want to ask you a couple of follow-up questions. First of all, why would they like put it like spit in your face by putting it in a thumbnail for an Atlantic article? Like the deep state is conspiring to kill a politician, but they also want to have some fun with it by putting it in an article. And also, if they wanted to kill him, why don't they do it? He has been a national figure since 2015. It's been eight years. He spent years before that attacking Barack Obama. If there really was these dark forces working behind the scenes of politics, why is he still walking around? He's done a million public events. If they really wanted to wipe him out, they could have done it by now. Just ask yourself these basic questions. And then ask yourself why no one in your life is helping you to find the help that you need. <laughs> It's so bizarre to me that this is even a thing right now. I mean, what in the Manchurian candidate? Like, I mean, everyone knows it's in the deck of cards anyway. He's got casinos. <laughs> I don't find know. it so convincing, Daniel. Like the number of people who retweet this. I, and now I just think they're it. trolling because I think people like this Laura Loomer will put stuff like that out, knowing that they're sheep that are gonna just keep spreading yeah. information. They don't even believe it themselves half the time. I think they're like, watch this, and then yeah. just like, you know, push it out there because it's so ridiculous. I mean, maybe it's just more gun smoke to make us forget about the real issues at hand because this is like possible. This is just like wily e. coyote type distraction. 100%. Look, I, I think that that is definitely true of a number of them. Um, I have seen into Laura Loomer's eyes and I think she believes this stuff. But um, but I'll also <laughs> say since um, anti-Semitism has been a big topic in the news recently and the right has really been pushing the idea that the left is anti-Semitic. I will just point out that it is convenient that, oh, what do you know? It's a prominent Jewish family that's plotting to wipe out the God Emperor of MAGA. And she could just put that out there. And all these right wingers like, oh yeah, no, totally. George Soros' family member, obviously the Jewish people are gonna kill Donald Trump. There is deep anti-Semitism baked into this conspiracy theory, and it does it deserves to be acknowledged in any event. Um, oh, also, by the way, uh, her tweet where she lays out the evidence of this plot was retweeted by Sarah Palin. To give oh. an idea 
of the level of support that she has. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We're gonna get into more of your comments, probably to close out the hour. But first, we have something big to talk about, which is those who will be the driving force of politics in the very near future. Let's jump into this. Gen Z is unlike any generation to come before it, both in its makeup and also the way that it thinks about the political world. And we wanna dive into some of what recent polling shows about this generation, which by the way, is already like more than 40 million strong in terms of eligibility for voting in this election. So this is not like a look forward to what it'll be like in 10 years. So they are already a very significant force if they choose to vote, which you know we're doing a repeat of 2020 and there's not necessarily a lot for people to be excited about. So that remains an open question, but let's jump into what we actually know. So in terms of their party identification, the Gen Z adults, those who can already vote, look kind of like millennials, honestly. They're slightly more likely to be Democrats. They're slightly more likely to be liberal. Only about 21% of them, if we wanna bring up this chart, identify as Republicans. And interestingly, they're actually less likely to say that they don't know their party ID than millennials did. I would have expected that number to be higher, that they would be you know, disaffected with both of the parties and not sure where they actually stand. Um, and they are slightly more likely to be independents, but I found that to be interesting. Uh, that said, I wanna jump into one sort of core demographic that they don't actually have a lot of representation for, which is the identity of being a white Christian. About 27% of Gen Zers identify as white Christians. For the baby boomer generation, that was literally twice as high at 54%. And so we're gonna jump into more, including like their religious identification. But Daniel, I wanted to get your initial thoughts about that. That in terms of that sort of like, we think of that as being a big part of like the Republican Party, it is far less represented in Gen Z. So what what do you think about that and some of what we talked about about their their politics? What's interesting about Gen Z, and I know because I, I mean, I'm, I'm literally playing to every college, you know, like in the country, like, and I'm meeting them, and I think they're a very cool generation. Um, I think that one of the reasons they're identifying as white is because whites become sort of like a taboo word, like in a lot of ways, um, and they're they're actually going deeper into their identities, like you know. Uh, um, and finding out who they are. Like, I mean, I always felt like Italian should should have been a choice for me to pick on when I was talking. I mean, if I was getting uh, yelled at in my lunchroom for eating uh, <laughs> sausage and peppers and people going, ew, what's that? And I was dealing with my grandfather speaking broken English. I didn't feel like I identified the same as, you know, uh, somebody who has been here for generations. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where they're coming from as far as that goes maybe they're still having to check white on certain boxes but when allowed to being to allowed to speak on how they identify as themselves you know maybe they're choosing more of their ethnic background you know yeah could um, be one reason as far as the christianity thing goes i mean you know how i feel about that with my podcast yes jesus like i think christianity's taking a turn right now i think um progressive christianity is really where it's going to be at in the future that a more accepting is accepting and embracing things more christians are actually reading the bible instead of listening to some sort of pastoral figure who's telling them what everything is instead of them mm-hmm. researching and finding their own spirituality i think the internet's been a great thing for this generation they've been born with it they've been able to just find information a lot faster than boomers were able to a quick follow-up question: Who saw you eating sausage and peppers and thought ew? Because that sounds like <laughs> I'll a tell delicious you right lunch. now. 
I'll tell you right now, I grew when I was living in Brooklyn when I was a kid, when I was seven, I moved to South Florida. And mm-hmm. the culture shock for me was humongous. Like going from where even my principal was, you know, all, all my principals and teachers were Italian and Jewish New Yorkers. And then I moved to Fort Lauderdale and I was the only one. And mm-hmm. I think that was a big, that was when I realized I don't, I'm not white or I'm not. Um, what everyone else is somehow. And there were different parts of me that discovered that. And I think that that's what our country is all about. You know, our country is all about being a melting pot and letting people from all different kinds of backgrounds come. Yeah. But like, I became American when he was six. You know, so it's kind of like I never fully got the full American experience. When people, talk, you know, a group white people into all these different things, I never felt responsible for that. That, you know, um, even the whole, White slavery thing. I'm like, you know, the whole slavery thing. I'm like, I'm like, we just got here. <laughs> like, my grandparents came here, you know, only a couple, of like, mm-hmm. in their lifetime. So it's like we weren't here for that. So, but I think that um, now with everyone sort of taking these sides and MAGA country and all these other things and white supremacy being able to people, even the allotment of allowing them to speak their voice on their hate or their disdain has made people shy a lot away from taking that. Moniker as an identity. Well, you know, and it's interesting because, like, at the same time that the right often says, like, why does politics have to be about identity? Everybody's so focused on identity. A lot of them are really trying to get young conservatives to see themselves as white and to think about politics through that lens. And they're talking, but like Fox is just openly talking about white people and anti white racism in a way that they did not do like a decade ago. And at least for Gen Z, it doesn't really seem to be working. I will say that. When but I also back throw Roe versus Wade to talk about abortion again, they said this is a big win for white life. They said it out loud, you know, because it is a it's mostly white people, I guess, that are getting these amounts of abortions or having access to them anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's interesting to me because that's what I think they're really fighting for here. They're fighting for a racial divide. That's why it's bigger for them. And it's I don't yeah. know. I think the more woke you get, the more annoying it is to go to sleep. <laughs> well, I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. So we're going to throw out here uh, some polling data that I think will really frustrate and uh, bamboozle some Republicans, uh, right wing media at the very least. This is Gen Z. Uh, what percent identify as LGBTQ? So this is across different generations. For Gen Z, it's twenty eight percent, and as we go through the generations prior to that, significantly less. So millennials are at sixteen percent. There's a even larger percentage drop off to Gen X at 7%. And then baby boomers in the silent generation are just at 4% there. So look, many in right wing media present Gen, you know, Gen Z as being 100% LGBTQ and only because their elementary school teachers force them to become that. But we do actually see that the the representation is larger. It's still not the majority of the generation or anything like that. But it's higher than in prior generations. So what do you make of that? And and the I guess the the context that makes kids of that generation feel more able to you know identify the way they want. I don't want to mess up the numbers for my people, but <laughs> I'm not sure if those numbers are entirely accurate. I think this generation finds it cool to be able to gender and 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 express themselves. And I think there's a lot of mysticism in that because like it's. You don't really discover who you are until you're older and figure out what you're doing. You, you know, you have to like figure out a journey. I was identifying as straight at that age, and I don't feel that way. So if someone's identifying as LGBTQ at that age, perhaps they haven't found out what what their journey is either. So I don't, 
I, I think that Gen Z is going to have to be a little older to really figure out what those numbers actually are. Um, however, I do think it's nice that they're able to express themselves. I think queer people have always been there, you know, and I do think that that largely those numbers are people that are feeling allowed to be themselves and mm-hmm. express themselves. Um, but you know, I have. Um, it is something that, and I, this is why there's fear in conservatives' eyes, but it is something that's for their generation becoming more cool and more accepting and more relaxed. And I think mm-hmm. that's why people like DeSantis are freaking out over that kind of stuff because they didn't ever have that ability or see that ability. And if somebody doesn't identify that way, then they don't see the they don't see why everyone else should be able to. Yeah. But I think it's it's you know uh, Anita Bryant's da- granddaughter became a lesbian. She wasn't invited to her wedding. So look mm-hmm. at DeSantis. He's got kids, who, you know, that are Gen Z. Who knows what his kids are going to end up being? And you know, if I've learned anything, it's that God has a sense of humor. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to being DeSantis trans or non-binary or gay kids. Like I'm waiting for it. I mean, look for some of them, perhaps that will inspire them to, for the first time in their life, feel a bit of empathy. We have occasionally had Republicans who have, you know, LGBTQ family members that suddenly now they're no longer like murderously against this community. For others, it's probably it's going to break families, and just by the numbers, it's going to happen. Some of these conservatives have multiple kids. Like you, you do the math, and you know, I I just hope that the kids. You know, maybe even if not inside of the family, somewhere get the support and acceptance that they both need and deserve. Well, if you're um, a kid I, out there, or if you know one out there, just know that there's a tribe that's waiting for you that loves you. There's your group of people out there that are waiting to find you and see you and be around you. Like we love you already. So you know, just take your time yeah. and keep mine. But I also think that you know, every time they've tried to silence my people, um, it's never worked out for them. And I say that I think every time I'm on the damage report over some sort of issue. And I feel like that's where we are today. It's like these, this 28% are growing up to vote, they're growing up to run, they're growing up to rebel rouse. So be ready. Mm -hmm. Be ready. Well, we're ready. Are you ready, everyone? But anyway, what you should be ready for is- Get ready if you stay ready. 100%. 100%. No, I was just trying to be slick, uh, which clearly that's that's not how I should identify. Um, okay, that's the end of the first hour, everyone. If you're just listening to the podcast, thank you so much. Remember, as always, there's other content that goes out for our YouTube channel. And uh, on the other side of this break, we will be talking about more topics, including the GOP coming for your porn. So everybody watch out and hold on to your butts because we'll be right back. <laughs> 